You're listening to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Adam Gobb. Today on the show, we have two guests from our Department of Health and Human Services, our Public Health Director, Britton Kenny, and our COVID outreach nurse, Erica Schaefer. Erica's fairly new to the organization, and what she's going to be doing is doing some outreach on COVID, as her title might imply. But what does it mean to be dealing with outreach on COVID as it turns from pandemic to endemic? Welcome into another edition of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Adam Gobb. I'm joined today by Erica Schaefer, who is the COVID outreach nurse with the Gaston County Public Health Department, and Britton Kenny, who has been on the podcast before, but not in the current role as public health director. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So we haven't really talked about COVID for quite a while. Um, we've, we've kind of been in this sense of like, uh, we want to be done with COVID. We don't want to talk about COVID. But for you guys at the public health department, it's not something that you have the luxury to be able to ignore. Right. And I think we've been really afraid to use that word endemic for fear that we would bring some new variant about that would right. change things again. But right. but truly, we are in a different place here in 2023 than we were in the past few years. And it, and it feels really good. It's, it's a different kind of um, approach we need to take to COVID. And we're still learning how to navigate that. But I, th- I think we can all feel good about where we are, um, especially kind of coming out of this recent holiday season and um, not seeing the surge that we were all really afraid we would see. Well, I remember kind of in the fall of 2022, where there was a lot of concern about um, almost this this triple wave of RSV and COVID and then a really bad flu season and just some concern that like the combination of those three things was really going to hammer kind of our hospital system again. And we certainly saw that the RSV and the flu on top of COVID this winter was pretty scary at times. There were a couple weeks where hospitals were at capacity um, and it felt like we were going backwards a little bit, but it mm. resolved and, and COVID didn't, um, you know, rear its ugly head like we thought it would. It, it kind of became more of a, okay, this was a bad winter, but we got through it. Hey, citizens, are you feeling savvy yet? If not, let's take a break and hear about some cool things happening in and around Gaston County. Are you a classic car enthusiast? We'll bring your wheels to Dallas Park on Friday, March 24th for the return of our classic cruise-in. The event runs from 6 to 9 p.m. and is free to participate in. All vehicles older than the 1997 model year are welcome. There's no pre-registration required. Call 704-922-2164 for more information. Erica, you're now the the COVID outreach nurse. You've been with the health department since December. But before that, you were working as a travel nurse. Yes. What was that like working through the pandemic as a travel nurse? I mean, just anybody that worked in a hospital during the pandemic, I've got to imagine that you went through, you almost got a little of maybe PTSD as a result of just everything you've experienced? Um, It was very sporadic um, working in the hospital. Uh, We'd go definitely through waves and working. I started at Atrium Health um, when that pandemic started. So um, it was more of a waiting period of when that would happen. Um, And then after leaving there to go uh, travel nursing um, and going actually to going off to uh, Chapel Hill to work. Um, I did a lot of float pool nursing there. 
um, and going down to the MICU to work. Okay. Um, and it's a different place. Every hospital that you travel to uh, approach COVID in a different way. So some places you'd work at, um, it would be one-on-one patient care, mm-hmm. going in and out of those rooms. Um, and the other places, it would be a team atmosphere, and every place would be roped off. So you'd go in for two hours and be fully gowned up. Got it. And you'd take care of that whole section. So other places, you'd go gowned up for that whole shift. So it's just a very different time frame back then. Um, back at Atrium as well, we have that whole time period where we were wearing masks for days on end mm. <laughs> and trying to reuse them and have them sent down for sanitizing. And right. it's just a different time or we couldn't even get masks. And I had a manager that bought us scuba masks, oh, wow. <laughs> full face scuba masks with a filter on top. So wow. uh, it's just a different time that uh, I haven't ever experienced working before. Yeah. So now that we're coming out of that, um, even back when the last year or so before I transitioned into this role, we'd still experience those same waves. Mm -hmm. So we'd fill up the whole unit or back half of the unit when I worked at Wake Forest where Mickey would filter down into the neuro ICU and that whole back half would be filled with Mickey COVID patients and Mm -hmm. the same thing would filter into the neuro ICU. So that's still happening. It's not that it hasn't gone away. It just comes in its own waves. So what was it like transitioning to work in the public health department? Because obviously that's a little bit less of a, maybe a daily grind. Like, I mean, it's, yes. it's definitely different. Like the, the pace is different. And, and obviously kind of what you're doing now is much more like, I mean, as your title would indicate, outreach. I mean, right. it's it's more preventative. It's more educational, right? It is. Um, the schedule has been very different because I've been strictly night shift for the last seven, eight years. <laughs> and I know that there are some people that really enjoy that, but it is, it's a lot right. for, for most folks. <laughs> um, it has been a very horrible grind on my body for yeah. the last several years. Um, but I would say going out into the community, talking to people, that's the same thing as at the hospital. Okay. Um, going into patients' rooms, talking to them, getting to know their story, mm-hmm. that's the same. Um, so I really enjoy that. And that's, a good part of my job. Can I jump in and say something? Yeah. I think one of the really cool things about having brought Erica in is because of your experience working nights and all sorts of crazy hours and in that chaos, when we've been talking about outreach events and things, you light up. So, I mean, it's, it's not like you're, you've been working the eight to five and anything outside of that feels strange. Like you are all about the weekend and evening events. And that's been really exciting to see in that role. I mean, I don't mind coming on for a nighttime event because that's, you know, that's what I'm used to is those after hour things. So anything outside of that, that's what I enjoy to do. I want to come and see and talk to you. So tell me your story and what you're about. And maybe I can help if you're on the fence about things because, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has their little quirks. Oh, sure. I do too. So (laughs) (laughs) we all do. Yes, exactly. What what have you experienced so far in terms of like kind of when you're talking to people about COVID, like, is this, is it a sense of like, people are like, oh, we should be done with this. Like we shouldn't have to worry about it anymore. Or people still, I mean, does it span the spectrum? Do you have people that are still really worried about it and aren't sure kind of where to turn? I've really experienced a mixed bag. So I really, 
either get people that are gung-ho and they really want to know and they want information mm-hmm. or they're just unsure because they don't know what's out there, like with the right. updated boosters or they just don't want the information Yeah, just because of all the stuff that's revolved around COVID because that's just been such a wild ride in of itself. Yeah, so. Britain and I have no idea what that's like. Well, we yeah, didn't, that, yeah, we didn't get any blowback or like pushback. like that here. No. Yes. <laughs> but I've had that too with the hospital at when I worked there with everything else. So yep. um, hearing no is not a word that's been uncommon with anything else. So that's okay. Yeah. We've all been meeting people where they are. And yeah. I think we've gotten really good at that. Yes. Like you can tell when someone wants more information or when someone is absolutely not interested and that's fine. Yes. Yep. I'm not going to shove it in your face either. So right. you're there to be a resource and to, to, you know, if people want to utilize that, essentially. Exactly. If you want it, I'm here. And if not, that's fine, too. Well, we can talk about other things. <laughs> so what are some of the ways, like, I mean, Britton, you talked about this being endemic, but what are some of the things that people can do um, going forward? Because, I mean, during COVID, there was so much talk about, like, you know, social distancing, mask wearing, limiting gatherings, whether it should be, like, indoors or outdoors. And it's like, it, it seems like there isn't as much talk about that anymore. But, I mean as I well know, since I just had it last month, I mean, COVID is a real thing still and, you know, can certainly knock you on your ear. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's all about managing your own risk and your family's risk and, and, and prioritizing what's important to you. And it's going to look so different for every person. It depends, it depends on what risk factors you have in your family. It depends on who you're around and who you're trying to protect. Mm. It can depend on, you know, your work and what you have going on in your life. And so I think it's constantly weighing the risk and, um, and trying to navigate that in an appropriate way. So for example, with our family, when during the holidays, when the RSV and flu were surging and we heard that pediatric uh, wings and hospitals were really overwhelmed, we pretty much shut our family down. Like that was a really scary time. You know, normally we would have been a little bit more relaxed about getting with other folks because my kids are fully vaccinated. Everyone in our family is pretty healthy, Mm -hmm. but knowing the hospital capacity was an important consideration for us. So Mm -hmm. that's just one of many, many considerations people have to make, um, daily, but I think we're going to get, I think we're going to get used to that and be able to factor it in a little bit more naturally, like we've been able to with flu and other bugs throughout the years. Well, and it seems like it, especially this past fall and, and maybe in, in years going forward, that it's just going to become kind of part of that calculus where, you know, we almost every year there's talk about like planning for the flu vaccine and how effective we think it's going to be this year, how bad the flu was in other parts of the world. So it might give some indicators as to how it's going to be here. Do you think we're going to kind of see the same thing with COVID? Exactly. Yes. And data is going to be our friend. And luckily they've done so much work to get really good data through the pandemic. We're coming out with a whole wealth of knowledge that we've not had about other viruses in the past. Mm. If you think about even what the state's doing to track it in wastewater so that they can see when cases are starting to rise long before the hospital's reaching capacity, those early alarm bells are going to give us more decision-making power than we've ever had before about how to protect us and our families. We've reached the point in the podcast where we're stopping to do a commercial. But no, it's not selling you something. It's telling you something. Bring out your inner chef with a free class from our Gaston County Cooperative Extension. Learn about cooking smart with spring foods. 
It's happening Friday, March 24th from 10 to 11 a.m. at the Kaiser Senior Center in Bessemer City. Call 704-629-5111 to register or for more information. Do you think that we're ever going to go back to wearing masks on a regular basis? I mean, I guess there still are folks that, you know, you, you'll still see, see people in hospitals and maybe this gets back to what you're saying before you've got to manage your own risk factors and your family's risk factors. But, you know, is masking just going to always be with us for certain parts of our population? I think so. I think there are still, just in my life, a lot of people who are more comfortable masking. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I think masking is also one of those things that people come up with their own sort of calculations about when they need to mask and when they don't. So for example, I know with a lot of our folks, if they've had any COVID exposure, if they Mm. have any symptoms at all, like definitely going to mask, maybe a little bit looser with it in the spring when cases are down and if no one's been sick. So it's just kind of coming up with your own, I guess, internal policy about that. (laughs) Well, and as you know, you talk about the spring, like as we head into the spring, it's like, sometimes it's like, how do you know if you have anything, if you've got any sort of allergies? Because it's like, oh my gosh, like that can be crazy for folks. And the good thing, I think we finally realized at this point, we know that masks aren't hurting anyone. So it truly can be a personal preference about what makes people comfortable. And I think it's always good to ask people before you meet, before you have an event, when you walk into a meeting, you know, what's your comfort level? Would you rather me mask? And it's just a nice thing we can all do. So Erica, in your role as, as a COVID outreach nurse, can you tell us a little bit about some of the events and some of the things that you've done since coming on board? So I've um, been doing both education and vaccine events. Okay. Um, so far, I have um, done some education events with the Senior Center and the Adult Rec Center. Um, I also did a large vaccine event um, at Mount Zion. I feel like the churches were really good partners, like throughout COVID. Like we had a yes. lot of different pastors that really, because I mean, it just, it, it's where you have a lot of people that are gathering and a lot of people look to their pastors for kind of wisdom and advice. And so it was good to have kind of that level of support. Yes. I feel like a lot of people have reached out recently about having COVID vaccinations and information offered at their like spring festivals and things, which mm-hmm. I'm glad people are still considering you know, having that resource for folks that we're not also burn out of COVID that we right. don't want to see a friendly face. Um, our outreach nurse no. there with offering that. Erica, have, no. you, have you felt a few folks reaching out for those opportunities? Well, and even when we were at Mount Zion, a lot of them wanted to like jump out of the line, but then were afraid to. So it's like, well, where else are you going to be? Mm. So I think there's a lot of interest all there, but it just depends on where that event is. Sure. So I think it would be helpful if we were at other events that it was a little bit more free form at like a festival or something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, that's one of the things like when you're going to a spring festival and it's like, you've got your kids doing the bouncy houses and it's like, you can get some nachos and then you can get a shot. (laughs) Yes. Knock it out. Yeah. (laughs) Moving forward. I mean, you were hired as a COVID outreach nurse. Are there other areas that you're involved in, in terms of doing outreach or is it specific to COVID? Well, I have been partnering a little bit with the immunizations department um, just to help them with keeping updates on um, school children with vaccinations Mm -hmm. Um, just because they've seen a little bit of a problem with that um, with requirements for um, students keeping up to date Mm. with North Carolina laws for students. Um, So I've been doing dabbling a little bit with that, um, trying to see what we can do online for our social media and then other things when I've been searching 
um, for partners for me if I locate something that uh, like for the students backpacks uh, food mm. campaign so I've been looking to partner with them yep. um, and with the YMCA okay. so certain things like that well because there are obviously still vaccines that are required to be in public schools like COVID's not one of them but like no. you know there's what measles and certain things rubella and all that sort of stuff there's a whole list and it got really easy to get behind during the pandemic and they Mm. made a lot of exceptions for kiddos then too so we're playing a lot of catch up yeah and feeling it so i've been looking for different things and making (laughs) easier to look at schedules (laughs) for parents sure well and that's i mean that's the sort of stuff like you know obviously public health you guys did a lot during covid for the entire community but you still do a lot of work just all the time for a certain segment of our population that maybe doesn't have a primary care physician. And, you know, you are their kind of primary care, essentially. Right. Absolutely. So what other things are going to be happening in 2023 in public health? I know that um, we're talking about COVID, but I mean, you guys obviously have the community health assessment that just came out and you've got a lot of work written that your team is doing um, to, to really focus on some other key areas and, and kind of connecting with the community about those as well, right? We are. So the three priority areas that came out of that health assessment are around opioids and substance misuse. Um, we have seen some really disturbing data around our infant mortality rate. Mm, And mm -hmm. so we're going to be putting a lot of energy into the maternal health and infant health um, world. And then also access to health care. And so COVID, I think we also just really highlighted some really scary disparities across our community where there are just people who have such limited resources that they were hit even harder when something like COVID enters the this walks onto the scene. Right. So with that access to healthcare, we're gonna really focus on two or three census tracts that have a number of risk factors, you know, lack of transportation, mm. um, low education, high poverty rates, and put as many county resources, not just health department, but county resources right. in those areas. So there'll be lots of partnerships coming in all three of those. Obviously, the health department can't tackle any of those alone. And there are actually a lot of groups already doing great work in those realms. So we're just going to tag on and and try to um, energize folks around those issues. I feel like that's one of the things that kind of came out of COVID is like, the number of partnerships that maybe were already there, but got strengthened, whether it's nonprofits or churches or um, the private sector um, and just bringing everybody to the table so that there's conversation about like what everybody's doing and trying to make sure that we're not duplicating efforts, but trying to make sure that like, we're not making the assumption, Oh, well that's going to be that group that's handling it. Maybe, maybe it's not, and maybe it's just totally going kind of, as an underserved sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think what we realized with COVID is that it actually took us a while to build up some relationships that we thought were there Mm. and that we, you know, were working really well. So for example, our Latinx community, um, we kind of thought we had good contacts in that community. And what we realized is we had a lot of work we needed to do Mm. to build up trust. And so we do not want that going away just because COVID is a little less scary than it was a couple years ago. We need to come out of this. And for all the issues I just named out of our health assessment, we need to make sure that we're not missing anybody. Well, I know in talking to Steve, who was the health director, but now is the the DHHS director, he had mentioned that, you know, one of the things for him coming out of COVID was, you know, thinking about how can the public health department like not be like 
a building? How is it like a, a organization? How is it resources that basically can move out and be in the community? And it seems like with Erica's job, that's just one more way of you guys doing that. Exactly. Yes. Um, outreach and, um, you know, taking services outside of our walls is a huge priority, not just, you know, for this year coming out of COVID, but for the future of public health. Um, and so Erica's position and her work is evident that we're going to keep creating positions and putting resources in place that will allow us to do that and not just wait for somebody to happen upon the health department. Well, and it's, I mean, talking about kind of preventative measures, I mean, so much of this is really about kind of the overall health of the community. And, you know, again, going back to kind of things learned during the pandemic, I mean, there were a number of different things that were key contributing factors to making COVID worse for people, you know, obesity, diabetes, heart issues, all these different things. And so it's like, you can take a look at some of that data and go, okay, these are things that we really can now focus on and tackle and, and make a priority going forward, right? Absolutely. And and a lot of our partners see that too. And that's mm-hmm. what we love about the community health assessment is because it does, it doesn't just look at, you know, the health of the community, but it looks at all those factors contributing to the health of the, of the community and way beyond the scope of what just public health can do, but mm-hmm. what all county departments, what all community partners, what we can all do together. Absolutely. Anything else about kind of what you're going to be doing about just kind of what you've found in the first couple of months being working for, for public health and working for local government as opposed to working in the private sector that surprised you, Erica, or, or anything that you maybe weren't expecting or just anything you're excited about? Um, I think I'm excited about, honestly, I've been excited about learning about all the partners within the community, especially in particular for Gaston County that mm-hmm. I just am discovering as I'm learning about my job and right. the community. Um, I think in particular within meeting different people that they may not know about some of the resources. So I think it's just important to make those connections and ask questions, learn what is available to you. Um, So I think that in particular is the most important. GastonGov.com slash coronavirus. That's kind of the homepage for all of the information about COVID. Um, We, we had, basically been utilizing GastonSaves.com, and I think that will still redirect to that same page. So if you plug in <laughs> Gaston Saves, it's going to the same place. Yeah, that and that's where you can find all of your community resources, state resources, including data resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, if you need a test kit, if you need a booster, you'll have links to all of the sites that will help, help you connect with the right place. Um, and one additional plug, you might people might be hearing about the end of the emergency declaration at the yep. national level, yep. um, and that will change how resources are shared in communities. So it might be harder to find a test kit. We might not have vendors offering free testing, mm. and we're going to have to start paying for boosters and vaccines. So this is the time to get it before that ends um, as, as all this is shaking out and we figure out what COVID looks like going forward. I feel like that was part of the the conversation. It was just like, oh, why is why is there such a long wait to to end the emergency declaration when the president's been saying, oh, you know, you know, COVID's behind us as a as a immediate crisis. I mean, it, the federal government seems to be treating it as an and as an endemic now, um, but it seems like that makes a lot of sense. Where it's like the things that are in place are allowing for the free COVID tests and for the shots to be free, and so like. 
being able to keep that in place a little bit longer is helping people that want to be able to continue to utilize those resources. Exactly. And the people who need those resources the most are the exact people we were talking about earlier. They're the people without health insurance or the people with very limited resources in general. And so we've got to have plans in place to make sure that we still have affordable vaccines for those communities coming out of this. And so we appreciated the extra time to get our plan together. For sure. I mean, it's, and that's what we're looking at May. May. Okay. And And then from that point, like, there'll have to be a determination like, okay, what are test kits going to cost? What are vaccines going to cost? You know, is there a way to kind of subsidize them and that sort of stuff? Is there a copay? I mean, yeah, there's a lot they're working on right now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Savvy Citizen. Thanks again to our guest today, Erica Schaefer, who's the COVID outreach nurse at the Gaston County Public Health Department, and to Britton Kenny, who is the Gaston County Public Health Director. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. And hope everybody has a great week. You too. The Savvy Citizen Podcast is a production of the Gaston County Communications Office. It is hosted by Janet Schaefer and Adam Gobb, and its senior field correspondent is Elizabeth McGee. Editor and producer is Joshua Braswell. Coming up next week on the show, staff from the Gaston County Museum will join us to discuss the work that's being done as the result of a new grant they've received. Local history buffs rejoice. You will not want to miss this.